0: This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. Co-host, Ethan Hamilton. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. If you sign up for our mailing list, you will get a copy of my full 2021 Rookie Dynasty rankings, my preseason top 100 overall, and my position by position rankings that won't be up on the website. I will be sending those out in advance of our preview episode next week. Also, you can follow us now on Twitter at DYDownload2020, and you can also find every episode of the show on our new website, dynasty-download.captivate.com dot fm. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that dynasty fantasy is the best form there is. With that, let's get right into the news. Now we've been off for a few days that we weren't exactly planning on. My apologies to the audience that we are not going to get two episodes out this week. It's just going to be the one. But we had something significant happen while you and I ironically were together over the weekend. JK Dobbins is out for the season.
1: Yeah, um, I thought I was breaking news while you were out on the patio playing some bags with Ed Winners. Um, I came out there and told you, and you're like, "Yeah, we already know." And both of you felt just as terrible as I did. Uh, I saw it, and it was disgusting. Like it's not—I don't like that stuff to begin with. It was pretty gross.
0: Thankfully, I did not see it. But this is now the third different leading back that has gone down so far this year. And given the amount of injuries that we had to top guys last season, I start to wonder if running back injuries is just going to be baked into fantasy football going forward.
1: Man, I hope not. That, that would absolutely suck. That would test a lot of depth uh, that a lot of teams have. But it's also just not as fun for the game just to take away from the fantasy input of it. Like, you want to see those guys out there. So hopefully it's not a sign of things to come.
0: Yeah, I certainly hope not. I, again, I think what were we missing like five out of the top 10 backs from last season for significant portions of time. I mean, even I think Zeke Elliott missed at least one game, if not more than that. And McCaffrey missed most of last season. Barkley missed most of last season. I mean, you start running through it and it gets pretty ugly pretty quickly, but let's hope we're going to have better fantasy luck going forward you'd much rather beat somebody on their best day than uh, beat somebody at their worst.
1: Yeah, but it, it feels a little different for sure.
0: All right. So next major piece of news this week, we got the final rosters going into the season and we got the PUP list for a couple of different players. Number one, and most notably, Michael Thomas is going to be on the PUP list. That means he is not allowed to practice or play for at least six weeks in order to rehab from the surgery that he just had, how would you look at him as a dynasty and a redraft prospect at this point?
1: Man, he's somebody's stock that just fell dramatically very, very quickly. It almost feels like overnight, right? Uh, From somebody that was setting records for receptions, now you don't even know if he can be a wide receiver too. For me, I don't even know if he can be that. I think Jameis Winston can support number one wide receiver, but I just don't know if Jameis Winston is good enough to get Michael Thomas, that type of elite stats. And especially now with him missing at least six games, uh, he's for sure not going to be a wide receiver one back, but I, I just don't see it. He's somebody that you really wish you would have traded when the stock was really high.
0: I tend to agree. And somebody made this point that I've been listening to today that, there are a lot of receivers that when they hit the wall, they really hit the wall. Think about Antonio Brown a couple of years ago where he's coming off one of his best seasons and he's just basically gone. And I know that he may be productive this year, but, uh, Jordy Nelson, he had that knee injury and he came back and he had a bunch of touchdowns that one year, but he basically fell off a cliff for all intents and purposes after he was a top wide receiver one, or there's a long history of when the guy starts to really, yes. Yes when they go off the cliff, they go hard. Like it's almost done. So it's not as surprising as it should be that this guy who was literally at the peak. I mean, he was wide receiver one. I think he set the record for most receptions in a season, just completely imploded after that. But I I really don't care for, I, I know that I just went through a complete redraft in my office league. And this was before he was put on the PUP where nobody took it. And I think that's appropriate at the moment. You might be able to stash him and hope that something will come of it later on in the season, especially if you have an IR spot, but I'm not wasting a bench spot on him at this point. And in dynasty, I'm trying to think the long-term investment value of that is zero. I don't know anybody that's going to be buying Michael Thomas stock at this point.
1: I'm with you hundred percent. I he's not somebody that I'm looking to, you know, like when some people are injured You try to see if you can catch somebody on the low. He's not somebody I'm looking to try to buy low at right now. I wouldn't waste a a bench spot with him. And that kind of sucks from somebody that was flying as high as he was to where he could possibly be. It's, It's not fun.
0: No. All right. Let's move on to Herb Smith Jr. He is having a surgery to, I can't even remember what he injured, to be honest. Yeah, it, it escapes me at the moment, but instead he's going to be out at least a minimum of five months. So basically during the entire fantasy season, for all intents and purposes, I can't imagine him being back. And at this point, the Vikings have traded for Chris Herndon, the constantly on the sleeper list, but never actually breaking out in an Adam Gay's office guy. I guess, is Chris Herndon going to hold the same kind of sway as we talked about with Irv Smith, based where becoming somewhat of a breakout candidate or is this you write both of them off at this point
1: I mean I'm going to go out on a limb and say I feel like he could be productive I feel like there are a lot of targets up for grab and up for grabs in Minnesota you got Justin Jefferson and then you have an aging Adam Thielen and then I don't even know who their number three wide receiver is so I feel like there are some targets up for grabs so I feel like he if he is still on the sleeper list cause he's been on it for so many years, if he is, I feel like this year for sure, he kind of deserves to be on it.
0: I think it might be Chad Beebe. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I hear you, but I don't think they throw enough to make him an effective fantasy tight end where you could probably get better value with a couple of other guys that are further down your list. All right. So then another story that's been developing throughout the preseason, the Colts, Carson Wentz and Zach Pascal were activated off the COVID list today and are expected to return to practice. They were only close contacts, apparently, although I would guess that they're both unvaccinated based on the procedures of the NFL uh, with close contacts. However, T.Y. Hilton also has a disc uh, fracture or a bulging disc, a dislocated disc, something to that effect in his neck back area and is out for at least the foreseeable future. The Colts put him on injured reserve. Now, that's not what it sounds like, because as of last year, we went on a three-week injured reserve slash COVID list for most of these players, and I think the teams use that much more strategically than they used to. But with T.Y. Hilton being out after his resurgence at the end of last season, we have a new quarterback who looks like he's going to start week one, but we don't know yet. Do you think think you have an eye on who the number one wide receiver or at least number one target in this Colts offense is going to be? And do you think that that person is going to be relevant with Carson Wentz, since we don't know what we're going to get out of this offense?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of question marks when it comes to the Colts. And then rewinding, I mean, T.Y. Hilton is another guy that kind of hit that wall, you know, that wide receiver wall. But anyway, I do think there are a lot of question marks when it comes to the Colts. I, my, your guess is as good as mine as to who I think could be the number one wide receiver option. Everyone knows how much I love Michael Pittman. I think he could be a very good option. But I don't know. What Carson Wentz are we going to get as well? It's tough to say. So but I guess I'll put my money on Michael Pittman just to make you happy.
0: I don't know if it's just for me. I think a lot of people have taken that as being the number one. He's probably one of the lowest drafted number one wide receivers currently available in most redrafts. His ADP, I want to say, is like the ninth or 10th round. But again, Carson Wentz is a question mark. He was terrible last year. And they're on their third offensive left tackle at this point in the season already. Their second stringer ended up uh, I think blowing out his knee and he's out for the year. And their first stringer was Eric Fisher, the former chiefs t- uh, tackle who is coming off of an Achilles is, is not going to be ready in time. So I really don't know what we're going to get out of this team yet. I'd like to see it a little bit ahead of time. If you're taking a late round flyer, I certainly don't mind it on Michael Pittman. I think that's already baked into what his ADP is from uh, a redraft perspective. But as far as dynasty, you're not going to sell low on him right now. So you might as well just hold on to him if that's who you drafted or who you're holding on to. I I really just don't see the prospects as one to try and flip the investment right now, because he's certainly not in a peak mode, but has a high upside. If that offense does end up hitting.
1: All right. Note to sell. Don't send a trade for Michael Pittman right at the moment.
0: No, because you'd probably (laughs) lowball it and deservedly. So. Yeah.
1: I hear what Um, you're saying.
0: The other big news out of the NFL this week, and this one took over, I think, almost national news because it had to do with the Patriots. They cut Cam Newton, and we know Mac Jones is officially going to be the starter for week one and probably going forward. You have all the Patriots fans basically slobbering over themselves, thinking this is the next Tom Brady. And while he looked good in the preseason, we've seen quarterbacks look good in the preseason before uh, looking at you dan daniel jones but i guess what do you think are the implications fantasy wise is he a guy that I-, I definitely am not starting him in any redraft league or dynasty league right away but are any of the patriots a little bit more valuable
1: i don't think it does anything to any of them i don't think it brings them down cam newton was not a right fit for that offense. Cam Newton really isn't the same type of player that he used to be. I don't know if we've seen the last of Cam Newton. I don't think he's the type of guy that'll be a backup quarterback. And I don't really think any NFL team right now is in a dire situation where they're looking for a Cam Newton as a quarterback. You know, part of me thinks that we've seen the last of Cam Newton. That being said, Mac Jones had a very, very good preseason. I'm really not surprised that the Patriots went in this direction because like I said, Cam Newton is not a backup quarterback. I just feel like Mac Jones isn't going to do any worse than Cam was. And I don't feel like he's going to do amazingly better where he's going to elevate some guys to be number ones in the fantasy realm. But, you know, I'm not surprised. We're not, no one is expecting the Patriots to do anything crazy. So I'm not surprised by the move.
0: I think it does a couple of things. One, I would say that the likelihood of Mac Jones scrambling is lesser. So the guys that may benefit from dump off passes are usually the tight ends that he's going to throw to more often, slot receivers and running backs. And you still have James White in that backfield. I don't think he's going to be fantasy relevant this year. But you may see the pass catching Ramondre Stevenson get a little bit more opportunity, especially on third down from the amount of shotgun work he used to do at Oklahoma. That might be a guy that all of a sudden his stock not only rises, but he may get opportunities before we thought he might. Jacoby Myers, I think, takes a little bit of a boost based on what we think his target share might be. Johnu Smith, something like that. But I think the biggest impact overall is going to be Damian Harris just because Cam Newton was the goal line back, and now he's not there. So the goal line carries have to go to somebody. You would think that the primary beneficiary, and I think Damian Harris was already kind of hovering in between that running back two, running back three area for most people already. I would think that if he gets enough touchdowns, now he's solidly an RB2. I don't know.
1: I don't like playing fantasy that way. I don't like putting a guy in and just banking on – getting touchdowns I don't like to live that way you know I know some people have to but for me I don't feel like that's a logical I guess I'll use that logical strategy for me
0: well I'm just basing it off of what his last year production was and some of the PFF grades that are out on him I mean there were a lot that of statistics that said he was the number one back in pro football not fantasy pro football last year So I I think he's a talented runner, and I think if he gets opportunity and volume, he could be there. Again, he's not Derrick Henry. He's not going to get that crazy level of volume to make up for the fact that he's not a receiving back, but can he do enough to be an effective flex for you all season? Absolutely. All right, then the last piece of news that I had before we get to our primary issue of the day, Rashad Bateman and Miles Boykin go on the injured reserve or the, uh, I guess, injury list it's listed as il now or something like that uh for the ravens we now know for sure that at least 3 of lamar jackson's primary weapons are going to be gone for at least the first 3 4 weeks of this season
1: yeah that's crazy to me because this was lamar jackson's year right i have said it a couple times the ravens have tried to put as many targets as they could and weapons around lamar jackson they haven't extended his contract yet, so I don't even know if they're completely sold on him. And now for him to have all of these injuries, JK. Dobbins, you know Rashard Bateman as well, that's tough. But I guess I guess we're gonna see what Lamar Jackson is really made of.
0: Well, first off, I think the contract situation is a little bit more complicated. One, he's representing himself, which I just think is dumb in my opinion. You're a quarterback, you should be focusing on that. Negotiation should be somebody else's job that that's their expertise, particularly when he's asking for the kind of money that both Deshaun Watson and uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes all got. I, I think that's too much to waste or try and put up to chance because he's a guy that we've been afraid is going to be injured at some point with a big injury and have been waiting for it because he's kind of a smaller guy. He's avoided it to this point but I think he really needs to lock that in. It's just a complicated contract situation because I think he's made it more complicated than it should have been a established professional probably would have had this done already, just in my opinion. But I think for an offense that we thought might have a lot of promise this year, I think the Ravens might actually miss the playoffs and might be trending in the downward direction. And that's really nothing to do with Lamar Jackson. I think he could very well have a good season. It's just the prospect of all the things that they tried to do to fix the offense or bring in something else just are not there right now. And I don't think with a lot of your uh, talent missing already or injured that it's going to improve anything. All right, so then let's get to our established topic for the day, the Ten Commandments of Dynasty League Football. Uh, do you want to start us off with number one?
1: I will. I will. Uh, thou shalt be patient.
0: I think I live this one daily.
1: Yeah, I, um, it's to a point, you know, right? Um, sometimes you need to know when to pull the trigger, but I guess in a, in a sense to like, don't react week to week.
0: Well, that's the number one thing. And I I made these rules try to be as very specific as I could to dynasty, as opposed to just fantasy football. The reason I put this one is because all of my biggest regrets have to do with moves where I was too aggressive, too early dropping Odell Beckham before he Broke out, dropping Devonte Adams way too soon, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All the moves that I bang my head on the table over are ones where I didn't wait just long enough on a guy that had a lot of promise.
1: I can understand that, but I, that makes dynasty fun then too, because now you got to find a way to fix said problem that you just caused.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So number two. Thou shalt show up to your draft or reap the consequences, possibly for years.
1: Yeah, that one's pretty self-explanatory, right? Especially in Dynasty. Maybe one time we'll have Derek on and we'll ask him how upset he is about his couple drafts, right? This isn't the first one he hasn't shown up to.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine either his team if he had taken some of the guys that were in last year's loaded class or let's talk about Tim's team had the guy that previously owned that team shown up to the league. And instead they were both drafting defenses and kickers. I mean, it's championship
1: caliber teams. Yeah. Championship caliber teams with,
0: with loaded talent that could have added uh, impact now guys. And instead, you know, then you, you end up getting some different guys, Ben and I feast with uh, Ben's got CD lamb and T Higgins and, Chase Claypool, and I picked up Akers and Jefferson and Pittman, Auk. I mean, you, you
1: guys just love drafting. You guys well, are just a bunch of drafters. That's all.
0: <laughs> I do love drafting. I, I will say that is one of my like better moments. And especially if one hits, there's like a, a really great satisfaction to all of that. That being said, especially because I think another commandment is going to come up. I don't think when you're drafting, particularly in the top couple of picks, that you're picking necessarily for impact immediately. There are some exceptions. Ezekiel Elliott, when he came out, Saquon Barkley, et cetera. But most of these guys, even some of the talented backs, you look at the guys that we have this year, Javante Williams is not expected to be the primary back in Denver right away, Trey Sermon. But down the road... You know, Trey Lance is eventually going to be the starter. Justin Fields is eventually going to be the starter.
1: Yeah, I mean, Delvin Cook. Remember, he didn't own the entire backfield when he drafted. When I drafted him, exactly. I thought it was going to be a year. You know, Cam Akers was in.
0: Yeah, Cam Akers was in that committee for most of last season and then broke out at the end. So Derrick Henry was a backup for like three years. So it, it just depends sometimes on what your. Uh, I guess draft prospects are, but it can both help and hurt you to show up to the or not show up to the draft and have it auto pick, especially if you don't have your rankings. in. And I think more than anything, if I'm taking something away from this year's draft, I have to input my own set of rankings in there. Uh, as opposed to Yahoo's, which is based on redraft.
1: No, no, no! You let Yahoo do its thing. Don't reward these people for not showing up to the draft. Oh no, no,
0: no, 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 no! That's not what I mean. They're gonna have Yahoo. It only works for me. You know when you can oh, go in and oh, pre rank your yeah, players. Yeah, man,
1: the queue, man. You got to use the queue. I always I, use the queue.
0: The queue is a separate thing. I'm talking about you can institute and then there's that own set of your own ranking. So if it auto picks, you have like 50 oh, okay. players before. A I know what you're Yeah. Okay. I
1: know so I don't
0: talk. end up panic drafting Adam Troutman again. All right. I number three, keep...
1: number three, thou shall not keep a kicker and probably not a defense either.
0: We've been preaching this for a while and yet two people kept kickers this year. I mean, seriously, that there are, Thousands of other possibilities with higher upside. Why the fuck are you keeping a kicker?
1: Never Listen, do it. There is one time though. No, there's one time. I There's one time I let Justin Tucker. I dropped him. I thought I'd be able to draft him. And he was gone by like the second round or something. Like the third round. Ike took him. I'm just saying he is the best kicker in all the land.
0: He is not. He hasn't finished in the top five in three years.
1: At the time, he was.
0: Oh, I mean, no, uh, this is the thing. And this is, I stream both kickers and defenses for about the first six to seven weeks. And then by then things have kind of sorted themselves out and you figure out, and usually the top defense or a top three defense and kicker are both sitting out there. And if they're not, usually somebody drops them around a bye week and you can probably scoop them up on waivers with a waiver claim later on. I mean, I this is the situation up. every friggin' year.
1: I always stream defenses depending on the week. I'll change defenses all week long. Kickers, typically I take one kicker and that's it until it's by week. I don't know what the fuck the projections mean with with kickers. I don't know. I don't even know how to pick pickers. Well, I I just pick a kicker.
0: I used to have a sleeper kicker every freaking year. And it's based on teams that run the football more. Teams that run the football more stall their offenses more on longer downs if they can't stay ahead of the chains. So then you want to take kickers in this case, Justin Tucker would actually be a good kicker because a, he can kick long field goals, but B the Ravens run more than any other team in football. But that's why somebody like, I don't even know who's kicking. There 49ers. one right other now. kicker. There
1: was only one other kicker that was worth it. And that was
0: Sebastian Janikowski. But Matt Prater has been really good for the Lions the last several years and has been (laughs) a hot starter. And they were not a productive team. So kicker makes almost no difference. Like the the value is like a half a point between the first kicker and the 15th kicker. It it really doesn't make a difference. It's more game script than anything else. So I, I really don't buy into that at all. But if you are keeping a kicker, you're just helping everybody else around you. By the way, you're welcome. I'm glad you dropped Justin Tucker and listened to reason. Your team's probably better for it.
1: All right, <laughs> uh, you're yeah. up.
0: Thou shalt consider age and contract situation in all transactions.
1: You know, to a point.
0: Well, all of this these is just to me. A point. I'm
1: not saying for others. No, I'm just saying like I don't really consider the contract situation all too much. Age I do, but I don't really honestly, I really don't think about the contract situation all that much. With me recently getting Devontae Adams, that was kind of the first time where I thought – and it was more that not him not being with Aaron Rodgers anymore because I still think he would be a pretty productive, but I know it's not going to be as productive. But more often than not, I'm not thinking about it too often.
0: How many times last year did we say that uh, James Robinson should be traded because he may be a one-year guy because he was an undrafted free agent with a very – small deal. How many times last year did we say that everybody should hop off of the Aaron Jones bag and wagon while they could, because he likely was not signing with green Bay. I mean, contract situation has come up a lot on this show as far as long-term value, particularly with running backs, but wide receivers has occasionally happened as well. When you talk about guys with contract situations where it's stalled and they are not re-signed, you're talking about them potentially changing teams and that completely changes their Fantasy outlook. But I think that there are certain age sets, roughly about 30 years old for wide receivers and about 26 for running backs, where you may want to jump off the bandwagon if you can, if you can basically let go of somebody. Devontae Adams is a weird situation. He's probably going to be a top five wide receiver again this year, but I expressed all of my reservations about him long term. If you're buying him, it's probably a one year rental where he may be effective next year because he's an excellent player, but if he's catching passes from Kirk cousins, who knows what is going to happen?
1: I'm just saying this. My issue with Aaron Jones was never about the contract. because He had such an incredible year that I didn't think he was going to back it up again. And who did you say before Aaron Jones? James Robinson. I forgot who you said before Aaron Jones, James Robinson. I just didn't think he was all that good. I just thought I've seen this before. I know that the Jaguars are going to have an early pick. There's a lot of running backs out there. Why wouldn't you? It was never, it, for me, it never had to do with contract situation. For you, you look at it a little bit different and that's what works for you. This is what works for me. I try to not find way too many factors not to figure something out. Like if I look for enough reasons to not do something, I'm going to figure that out. I'm going to find a reason not to do it. Like if you're looking for something bad, you're going to find it. That's just how life works. So, contracts or situations, yes, to a point, but it's not the end-all, be-all for me. But age, age is very, very important when it comes down to it for me.
0: Well, I'm trying to decide between probably five different layers on any one stance, and you're trying to make small differentiations between all of them. So, if you're telling me that contract situation isn't something I should factor in, I think that's foolish. Is it the be-all, end-all? No. But is it something that, especially when you're talking about two, three years down the line, like if it's redraft, I have no problem taking Devontae Adams wide receiver one, even wide receiver two, depending on which league you're in and what the opinions are. I think you can make an argument one way or the other, because I think he's going to have a fantastic season and it's possible the Green Bay has the best offense offensive football this year again, but next year is next year. And if you're looking at, dynasty value you're not just looking at this year you're also looking at what is his upside and how long can he sustain this peak level if he goes if he goes to the patriots next year with mac jones i don't know what that's gonna be like and that's the thing the unknown presents that whole we are always fearful of the unknown he has an unknown situation until he re-signs with green bay and even then until aaron Rodgers decides he's going to come back or Green Bay makes their stance known that they're not going to start Jordan love next year. I don't know what that situation is going to be.
1: You're right. You're absolutely right. But it also depends on where your team is as well. I'm looking to win right this freaking second. I know. And we talked about it in the group chat. Most of my players, if not, are all at the peak of their prime, if not just past their prime. I know my window is closing and I know Devante Adams is going to have a monster freaking year this year. Next year is next year. I mean, last year I traded a crap ton of picks and I was not as thrilled about it, but now going through last year, moving to this year, knowing that you can still control things. You can still make things happen. If you draft, if you show up to your draft and draft assets for one, which I feel like I have done, and if you have players that are good enough that you can still get something in return, I get what you're saying, but I, I think just to a point, it depends on where your team is at and what you're trying to accomplish.
0: No, I, I would definitely agree with that. So let's move to our number five. What do we have?
1: Thou shall not overreact to playoff losses. They are random and unfortunate as that is, you can hear the The sadness in my voice, it happens. And sometimes you're in a championship game and you lose to a team that you shouldn't have lost to. Because three or four of your guys get injured in that championship game. And it's it makes you angry, but there's nothing you could have done about it because it's random and you shouldn't overreact, but you could still be upset.
0: Oh, I'm never going to fault anyone for being upset for losing a playoff game. Because you get to that point, and that's where sweet victory is within your grasp, and to have to lose to the six seed multiple times—I mean, the fact that Alex Smith beat me in a championship game. Now, to be honest, I was starting Case Keenum that year, so neither here nor there. But the fact that that happened to both of us to the same six seed in different years—I uh, think we both know that the playoffs is completely random because it's like March Madness in fantasy football. It's a one-week playoff, and weird shit happens. The best fantasy players are the ones who are always making the playoffs year in, year out, and doing the hard work, and ending up in the same space, and giving themselves the opportunity to be there at the end, but don't necessarily have all the pelts on the wall. I know that the championships, and there's a particular player that likes to laud his uh, pelts on the wall more than any of us and I guess he has the right to but there is so much randomness baked into his wins that I, I, I really don't baked
1: into his wins he said <laughs> you know that's funny though you say that because we talk about it and that one play Kyler Murray to New Hopkins how that change completely changed the landscape of our league that one play changed everything changed uh, playoff seedings. changed a bunch of stuff.
0: Yep. Uh, we would have had completely different playoff schedules. We would have yep. had uh, Dana playing multiple other people and probably losing in the first round. We might've had Alvin Kamara in the championship game where he went off for the six. Yep. I mean, so many yep. random things on one friggin' play,
1: one play, one play, one play where we are all in a group chat, <laughs> And mid-season, a- too. <laughs> oh, man.
0: Yeah. One play. So, again, it's random, but don't overreact. Don't sell wholesale your team because you lost a playoff game. It happens. Just try and do better next year, I guess.
1: I think it's funny that I get to read this one. Thou shalt value their own draft picks, but they can still be leveraged when appropriate.
0: I think you are actually in this is where I I feel complicated last year valuing draft picks mattered this year with the talent pool lessened, not as much. The Saquon Barkley draft was incredibly thin that year. I mean, you start looking at it down the line. We had Josh Jacobs and David Montgomery that one year, as far as the backs and there wasn't a lot of value past them. So yes, there are selective drafts where you can find value, but given that you've traded away some of your high first and second round picks, and it seemed to work out for you, I think that maybe my opinion is changing a little bit on this, but you're valuing your picks for the assets that you can retain. I think some people sometimes just give away assets or draft picks as throwaways or potential overvalue them. I think the point of this is is don't undervalue and don't overvalue. You need to understand what the value of a draft pick is.
1: But that also goes into knowing what the next class is. I knew this class this year wasn't going to be as good as last year's class. It made it a little more um, comfortable trading away those first two, uh, first and second round picks. But it also goes with knowing your stuff. But yeah, absolutely right. Draft picks are their assets. They're assets to be used to gain other assets or assets to be used to grow your team. So yeah, absolutely. You got to value your picks, but also you got to know when to use
0: them. Well, and every asset is potential leverage in order to make your team better. And I think more than anybody else, you've found a way of doing that. Maybe in a different way. I, I think you're more of the LA Rams than the green Bay Packers, where that tends to be more of my attitude, the draft and develop type. But you know, we each get to our summit in different ways. Well
1: you know when I first got into the league it was all about getting draft picks but now you know I keep talking about it my window isn't as wide open as it used to be now it's about selling those draft picks and trying to keep my window open a little bit longer with players that are hitting right this second. I can't waste um, not hitting on a pick a la Jalen Rager but hopefully that turns around this year but you know, that was a waste to pick something that I could have used on a Justin Jefferson or something, somebody like that, but he's the first person that comes to mind, but yeah, it's frustrating. Um, so this is what's working for me right now. Hopefully it pays off in the long run, but yeah, I know eventually I'm going to have to change strategies and, and try to gain draft picks and not trade them away.
0: All right. That takes us to number seven and I will take this one, but We've kind of already talked about it a lot, so I don't think we need to spend a ton of time. Thou shalt draft for depth, not immediate starters. And there are very few exceptions.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. My my second pick in the draft this year, which ended up being in the fourth round, was, no, it was a late third round pick, was a starter. But my first pick wasn't. It was a position that I had plenty of, but he was the best player on the board at that time draft the best player. It doesn't matter if you have 50 running backs. It doesn't matter if you have 25 wide receivers, if you have five quarterbacks, maybe don't draft another quarterback because there's probably other things that are out there, (laughs) but you know what I mean? You got to just draft the best player that's out there that you know, that you can get something for. And I feel like the best players that you can get something for are wide receivers and most definitely running backs. So, yeah, draft the best player available.
0: Yeah, Dana has been really good at this through the years, taking a lot of young wide receivers and basically just developing them over time. Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf, did that with Julio Jones, Mike Evans back at, you know, early on. Uh, T.Y. Hilton taking a flyer early when we started up the dynasty portion of this league. Uh, Julian Edelman. I mean, you can start going through his roster at one time or another, but they all had that same first round pick upside and that he just waited long enough on to become the studs. They eventually did. You did something similar with Chris Godwin or in my case, and I I swear I really was lucky. I just took as many wide receiver first or second round pick wide receivers last year as I could realistically. And I think I mentioned this at one time I took Justin Jefferson. Well, I took Justin Jefferson only because I had Adam Thielen and I'm like, all right, Adam Thielen's getting older. We might as well take the next guy up because he'll eventually have opportunity. I got damn lucky. Just pure lucky.
1: You had such a good draft last year.
0: I've had a a couple of those.
1: Last year was the best one that I've seen that you've ever had.
0: Well, one year I had both Kareem Hunt and Mike Williams and uh, Alvin Kamara in one draft.
1: I don't know if that one's up there as much. When Kamara was a third round pick. Yeah, I mean, I get it. And you took Kareem Hunt right before me. I wanted him. And I wanted Kamara, too. He was high on my board. But, yeah, I hear you.
0: All right, so that takes us to number eight. Thou shalt take
1: steps to ensure good schematic slash team opportunity positions. Yeah, Yeah. wide receiver ones with elite quarterbacks, um, zone running scheme with three down backs. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams type of a thing?
0: Well, I'm just thinking about it. You think about all of the top wide receiver ones in the league, and they're all paired with number one quarterbacks. So New Hopkins went from Deshaun Watson to Kyler Murray. They were both top five quarterbacks at one point or another. Devontae Adams is with Aaron Rodgers. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin are with Tom Brady. Uh, Dak Prescott has three different guys that are all fantasy relevant but like Amari Cooper's a wide receiver too. And you guys think that C.D. Lamb could be a wide receiver one this year, which I could dare, very well see happening, but you don't know. Realistically, there's like one or two exceptions where a wide receiver is better than his quarterback. Justin Jefferson is much better than Kirk Cousins. Right. And yep, Alan Robinson is better mind. than any better uh. quarterback. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> well, I mean, this is to, to bone up, Alan Robinson, I don't know why you're complaining too much.
1: I know, though. It's just the missed years and missed opportunities, but we continue.
0: Well, and I think that drafting guys that are going to have good quarterbacks surrounding them, they're going to have opportunities. Where, on the flip side, you end up having wide receivers that could be good, that are drafted in the first round, but are with crappy quarterbacks. Let's say the Jerry Judys or the Henry Ruggses of the world. You're just not going to have that same opportunity as Tyreek Hill pairing up with Patrick Mahomes. But I think the same thing goes for, uh, particularly, I love running backs, especially depth running backs in zone running schemes. The Shanahan offense and its subsidiaries have made players out of Arian Foster. What was the one year with Alfred Morris? We talk about Devonte Freeman was a thing for a while. I mean, you go back to the original Mike Shanahan with a Gary, Clinton, Portis, Ruben drones one year. I mean, <laughs> these are the types of guys that we were getting. Landis, Gary. <laughs> I'm serious. They, they were like thousand yard rushers in that Denver scheme for years. Yeah. So I, I think that that was why I was in a, for a little bit because I thought he'd have opportunity, but also the zone running scheme. Uh, Michael Carter for the Jets. That's why I was higher on him. My problem with him right now has simply been that he looks like he's the third down running back, the third guy on the depth chart behind Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman at the moment. So that that's the only reason he slipped, but how many times have we not said a Shanahan or for that matter, Delvin cook is in a Kubiak Shanahan zone scheme offense uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are in that same type of concept. This, this whole thing is all over the league at this point and has made great running back friends of everybody. Aaron Jones with the Packers. So I, I think there are opportunities, and I look at it in the same way I use for my college football picks. The Wisconsin running backs are always going to be good if you can figure out which one's going to get the starter job if you can figure out who's going to be the starter with Seattle right now for the running back position, that's going to be valuable. If you can figure out who's going to be the primary back for the San Francisco 49ers, that's going to be valuable. And you take spots and possibly multiple guys to ensure your status with a valuable position in a good offense. All right. Takes us to number nine and something that's come up a lot this week, uh, particularly in our group chats, but. Thou shalt not try to win every trade.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's all about a little give and a little take, right? If you are looking to make a trade, that's exactly what you're trying to do. You're looking to trade. You're not trying to necessarily win, but you're trying, you're most definitely looking for it to work out for you. But if you're asking for too much and you're not really understanding it really just ticks people off more than anything.
0: You're not going to eventually find trade partners if all you're trying to do is overinflate your guys and not be objective about what their potential value is.
1: This is exactly the problem that you and I have. And this is why we will never trade with each other just because (laughs) we're a bunch of assholes and I don't want to end up losing to you, but this is like us not, not taking our own command. And so, right. But like, also, I really don't think we've had a great opportunity where there has been a trade. The only thing that can does come to mind is Chris Godwin and Cam Akers. Um, And I think one time Corey Davis, but that was like very fleeting, but yeah, no. This is this is exactly us right here. We need to um, we need to practice what we preach a little bit.
0: Well, yes and no. I think part of the reason that yours and mine we've never worked out a trade is we're very much in the same position at times. Like my team may not be in the win now mode that yours is. I have a few younger guys and guys that I can still work around or develop my team around, but for the most part, we've been primarily competitors trying to fish off of everybody else's team and buy low on guys that people undervalue, and so neither you nor I undervalue our own players in the way that other people probably do theirs, and that's why more than anything else. I don't think it has to do with our evaluations. I know that I'm not going to take you to the cleaners. There's just not been a trade that easily presented itself that made sense between us. I can agree with that. All right. Final one.
1: Final one. Thou shalt have fun. At the end of the day, it is a game, right? And it's just something that you do with your friends.
0: Fantasy football is fucking made up. <laughs> have fun, people. Seriously. <laughs> oh, we take it way too serious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it's competitive, and you never want to lose to your friends against uh, with stuff. But yeah, no, I agree. But there's way too often, I feel, especially for like big time games, uh, like against Ben and against you and against Dana. There's a little more angst around it. You feel mm-hmm. a little shittier on Tuesday or on Monday night. You win know?
0: the elation if you get the win oh, on those, man, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I'm just glad that uh, for the three of you, you you're all going to be beating up on each other this year, and I, I don't have to endure it. Don't. Next even year is talk a different situation.
1: It. Don't even talk about it. Unbelievable. Okay. Goddamn divisions.
0: I'm going to add one more. It's not an eleventh commandment, but an important note from this week. Even though this uh, ended up being it's an okay, okay. situation, no, but no, no, thou shalt not renege on a committed trade. That is a, a fantasy. Chance. Like you're almost dead in the water at that point. If nobody can trust you, and like they think you're rigging the league or whatever else, you're you're done as a fantasy player. No one will respect <laughs> you. You need to move on. Find fantasy hockey.
1: Uh, Let's wrap this shit up.
0: (laughs) All right. Thank you to all the listeners and dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again next week to talk about our preview for the 2021 NFL season. Woo. But until then.
1: Football is back. It's super exciting. But until then, everyone stay safe. We'll talk to you soon.
0: If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload20. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music, our techno provider, and distributor is Captivate FM.